Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, season 3. We have a very special episode for you today. Not quite as special as the episode where I was uh, chatting with my wife about 40k. (laughs) I don't think she would appreciate that if I called you that special. Uh, But you are special in your own way. Thanks, Davis. (laughs) I have uh, Austin McMurdy with me here. And we are going to be having a fun little debate today about uh, super heavy vehicles. Actually, I'd say more super heavy armies uh, and their place in the game. Because I think there was a lot of... uh, There has been a lot of discussion in the past. I wouldn't say so much so in 8th edition. More so in previous ones. Um, And how having an army full of these guys can make some people feel very... uh, Feel very butthurt. Feel very... Salty. Very salty. Um, and sometimes, it, is it sometimes warranted? Maybe. Sometimes, maybe not. Uh, but in any case, it is a discussion point, and I think it's a good one to have. So, we got a number of questions. I came up with a few of my own, grabbed a few from online, seeing what people would like to kind of chat about, see what people would like us to chat about. And just as we're driving around here, we're going to find a place that we can park, and in the meantime, the vehicle running, we'll get that AC going pretty good. It's also good if I don't get into any car accidents while we do that. That's uh, that's definitely a bonus. Um, don't worry, folks. That actually wasn't a close call or anything like that. That was honestly just a joke. <laughs> hey, so first, let me go ahead. For any of you that don't know him, uh, Austin, I would say, is a somewhat of a uh, uh, an ambassador of the brand here in Sudbury. I try. Yeah, he runs the Salty Astartes Facebook group. Uh, you'll probably see him out at Pretty much any of the tournaments that will one day be happening again um and you will catch him frequently at the nook or he's always up for a game and trying things out and he'll kill you but you'll uh, you'll have a fun time <laughs> you'll have a fun time having it done so uh, austin say hi hello oh and also just a reminder um kia microphones pretty good but they are centered kind of on me oh yeah so okay. do do feel free to that chat talk at you yeah that's right talk loud Talk like you're Italian. With my hands. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And I figure that for this uh, little format that we're going to be doing, what we're going to do is uh, I'll go ahead and I'll mention the first topic. I'll kind of present my opening thoughts on it. You present your opening thoughts. We'll have a little banter back and forth, maybe like five, seven minutes. Okay. Uh, and then you'll do your closing argument. I'll do my closing argument. And then we'll switch it up. You'll introduce it and we'll do it in the opposite way. Sounds good. Yeah, I think so too. So the first topic that we're going to be talking about here today uh, is super heavy armies and uh, how they reflect on the game. Uh, You know, how the look of the table is when you have an army of super heavy units on the field. Uh, And for myself, I really feel that part of the um, draw of the game of 40k is about living vicariously. Uh, like when you first see it right. on the table, you get get a connection with the game because you identify yourself with somebody on the table. And let's face it, most of the time that's going to be Space Marines. Yes. Because you know, you're going to see a sample game of it or just a lot of people play Space Marines, so that's often one of the ones that you see. And that gives you that draw because Space Marines are big and they're awesome and they're really cool. Um, one of the reasons that they're cool, though, I think, is because their opponents are very intimidating, right? They look like, okay, these guys look awesome, but the stuff they're fighting looks scary. Looks like there's either a lot of them or they're really big or something like that. When you have two armies of super heavies on the table, I don't think you're living vicariously. Or if you have an army that's very much not kind of the standard run of things and you see knights on the table, you can't live vicariously through the knights because they don't look like they're intimidated at all by their opponents. They are the most intimidating things on the table by far. Um, and so I feel that there's a real disconnect there. And when it's two armies of super heavies on the table, not just knights, like just super heavies in general, um, then I would say that it doesn't look like you're playing Warhammer 40,000. It looks really like you're playing some other game. Battle mech, or you're playing, you know, I don't know. It just, it, I don't feel you're like you're giving people a good concept of what uh, the game is about. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think that we have to remember that pure super heavy armies, like all knights, 
are actually a rarity in the hobby. I run three knights. Yes, there are pure knight armies, but in general, when you go to the tournament, you'll see a knight mixed in with an army, and not a full super heavy list. And when we talk about how they represent on the tabletop, if you're looking at 40k, in my opinion, you see big robots, big monsters, walkers. You really wouldn't see a bunch of guardsmen running across the field at something in a battlefield in the future. So when it comes to the look of tables, I think looking at super heavy lists, you know, to me represents what part of the hobby is. But then you can also say that it's also conversion opportunities because you have chaos knights, right? People do amazing paint jobs on knights. So they're not just your cookie cutter appearances. People can do faces and things like that, which really bring out a flavor of a super heavy list instead of just having plain Jane run of the mill look. I, I I get that. I think I I think now we're in the the banter back and forth bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I mean, like I can see that. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, when there's a mixture of them with other forces, then it, it's part of it because then you 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 can live vicariously through one unit while still uh, on both sides and seeing you know the threat on the other. And I yeah, you're not going to see the other side as being. Um, you know, just there to totally bash the other. And it'll look like 40k in that sense. Uh, but I do think that if once you start seeing... Uh, now, and again, this is more an issue with having in 7th how there were armies full of them. Yep. But even early in 8th, let's face it, there were times where it was like, here are 5 knights and the loyal 32, right? Or or 3 castellans and the loyal 32. Okay, okay I know they're not actually called... <laughs> no, actually, no, you could take 3 of any castellan before. We were having a discussion before. Yes. Yes. But hey, you could in the past. Then they upped up the points. Yes. But there was that time in the game where that's what it was. And I don't think that was very healthy. I Honestly, I never saw three Castellans in a list. No. Ever. I did. Where? Uh, where was it? It was at, in Barry. It was in Barry. I think it was at the, one of the Barry Bashes. The first Barry Bash that I went to. There was somebody, there were... There was a list that was playing three Castellans. Or, I don't know if it was three Castellans. It was three of that size. It was three of... Well, the Castellan's body is the same size as a regular knight. So, like, they're not any bigger. They just have what? different weapons. Yeah, no, the model kit actually is the same size. They just have wider shoulder pads. Get out of town. They're not... Yeah, they're not bigger. Okay, well, they look bigger. Because they're, they're both... Point is, <laughs> there were just... It was just super heavies. <laughs> and a few dudes. It, yes. it wasn't it wasn't a good show of the hobby and and we've seen uh even last year on streams of i i can't remember who was right it was some two of the top pros at uh what was it the atlanta term or whatever they had you know here was this army of chaos knights versus this army of chaos knights and it was just like okay what are they playing here i mean yeah for tournaments you know you're going to play the best thing you can and i'm not going to knock that but visually I don't think you're playing 40k. It's fair enough. But when you look at, like, PA books, Engine War, there there are battlefields in 40k where you do have strictly engines of war going at each other without anything else there. Like, there's fluff and background and stories where Battle of Talarn, same thing. Huge Titan battles on the planet with tanks. Hardly any infantry. So Lots of tanks. But lo still lots of tanks. It just super, super heavies, heavy though. Tanks. Super heavies. I, I've i played games of lots of vehicles. Um, I've played a game where we were only allowed to bring vehicles, and I, it was hilarious. But I think uh, lots of knights kind of... Too many knights? Too many, too many super heavies. Too many super heavies. Too many super heavies. Really detracts. What if somebody brought a, a variety of, of knights in a list? Because right now you do see, uh, you see three crusaders. With with the add with the introduction now of armagers and different kinds of knights, I really feel like Games Workshop did a better. good job going past it. Lots of different kinds of super heavies. Yes, when you're talking about all of them on the same chases on the same chasey, um, I'm sorry, I said chases. It's okay. It's, it's alright. Okay. It happens. It's just, it's just English. Chassis. Um, then I, you know, it, it looks it does, like I said, it looks like battle mech. It doesn't look like board game. Shall we go on to the next question? Sure. Cool. All right. So you go ahead. You introduce it now. Uh, we have the length of the game with super heavies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, when it comes to games with super heavies, it really does depend on 
who you're playing and the army that they are playing. I think the, uh, an impression of Super Heavy List is, oh, well, it's going to be over in two minutes anyways because I'm playing against knights. I played against numerous, like, Gene Sealer cults, demons, guard armies. People think that it's going to be over in, like, half an hour. Those are usually the longest games because people can hide, they can maneuver things, and they get more points. If you do play against another Super Heavy List as all knights, then yeah, the game's going to be done in 15 minutes or, or less. Like, I played in Barry against Taunar. Game was over in 10 minutes because he went first. <laughs> I lost a night and a half every turn. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Now I get to wander around for, you know, two hours and 15 minutes. But yeah, no, when it comes to the length of the games, it's, it's really dependent on also de- terrain, deployment, right? The missions. It's not just an auto win for a super heavy list because we are hindered by lots of the missions of, you know, holding objectives or getting certain secondaries that were in ITC because we just can't do it. So it's a double-edged sword. Like, you are geared towards destroying armor and some infantry, but if you can't do three-quarters of the mission because you brought three knights, then that's just how it is. But I feel like when people think that, oh, well, it's, it's going to be a quick game, there's no point in playing this game because you're bringing knights, I would have to disagree with it. And, and you know what? Uh, I think in, in some sense you, you made a little bit of my point for me because I was going to end yeah. up saying a little bit of the same thing, but I'm going to use exactly what you said. You just brought up a situation where it's like, hey, here's this game where uh, you're arrayed with your table. I do find that you know a g- game with a lot of super heavies does tend to get resolved too quickly. And your example there where it's like you got shot off the table and you spent the rest of the time wandering around is really not a great experience for anybody. Nobody wants that experience. They want to have a game. I feel like if a game is over too quickly, players are robbed of the experience. And I and I worry that knights in particular compound that issue. You, like you said, there are a number of times where... Um, there are certain armies that can play extremely cagey, that can drag on those games out longer. But is, does that mean that the length of the game being possibly short a lot of the time is, is the fight is the fault of the Gene Steel Cult? No. It's it's the fault of the super heavy, of the large super heavy list. The list with all the super heavies. Because then, and they get into fight with each other, and yeah, it's like, well, that person went first, and therefore things don't really kind of go that way. Uh, and I do find that super heavy lists those models tend to move very quickly not always no. but tend to and so i feel like the train doesn't really matter as much and so there's not you know, you are just moving things around more quickly you're not having to worry about a bunch of different angles you're not worrying too much about exactly where you are because you can really cover up the distance quickly you see everything you see everything all the time and so I, that's where i do feel that those games get resolved a bit too quickly As a knight player, yeah, I, I go into every tournament knowing, and I've been told by a few people, change your army, Austin. You always bring these three knights. Well, this is what I like to play, and this is what I'm kind of known for. But I go into a tournament or into a match thinking, all right, well, yeah, I look at an army. Okay, I can see how this is going to go, but it's not really, the winning isn't really what I'm in the hobby for, but yeah, it's, it's you win some, you lose some, and Sometimes you win fast, sometimes you don't. It's just—it's—it's it's, it's the cross super heavy players have to bear. <laughs> it's the cross you have to bear. It's... it's all good. It's all good. Hey, you know what? At least you get to participate—or I should say, chaos super heavies get to participate in the psychic phase at least. Yeah, because they're heretics. That's right. But we get everyone play chaos. Psychics. Everyone play chaos. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll start us up on the next one then. Um, so, uh, our third topic here. What? So I actually, I, I'm going to preface this alone a little. I had a hard time actually coming up with a name for this topic um, because I was. My original thought on this was to call it the Tau problem. Yeah, and we don't want people to hate us. Yeah, well, see, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's you're, you're, you're hitting, you're hitting it on the head already. <laughs> Sometimes people hate knights. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> but I did think I think I got it with this name. Um, that knights can create a game of big wins and big losses. And by that I mean uh, the game is now. So whereas before, like there's the actual speed of the game, 
I would say this one is at what point you actually know which way the game's going. And that's because uh, with knights around, and this is an issue mainly with the Tau, that's why I call it the Tau problem. But with knights, the game is can sometimes come down to a single question. How much damage can your army do per turn to Toughness 8 with an invul save? And I think that games that hinge on a single question like that, I think they're answered, they can be answered too quickly. And if they are answered too quickly, then it's really uninteresting. Now, it's not a unique problem to super heavies. Um, I'd say, you know, the worst offenders uh, with non-interactive style lists, and I, I call it the Tau problem for that reason, because they have one phase. Because they have one phase, and but but that's a real question for them. Like, can you survive the Tau shooting and get in touch with and, and touch them? If you do, then you probably win. And I'm not saying that that's a good problem for Tau, because a, a regular Tau army, for that reason, tends to play very badly. Like, people don't like where Tau is at because you're kind of forcing just a couple of builds that try to get around that question, because unfortunately the, the army can get locked into a, this one question that answers the game. That answers the puzzle of the game. And knights can find, not just knights, super heavy lists can find themselves in that position where the game gets resolved by answering a single question, and I don't think that's very good for the game. stuff to kill a knight. Most of the lists nowadays, that has to be a factor in a list anyways. Because knights are popular in soup lists. Now moving on to ninth, we don't know. But most most armies have something to deal with knights. Maybe Dark Eldar is an exception because <laughs> with, they got poison. But yeah, no, when it comes to the, the that turning point, I've been in experiences where it hasn't worked out that way. Where I fired an entire Castellan knight into a another Castellan knight, no, Tempestus Scion <laughs> with an invulnerable save, and the guy just said, "You know what? I'm just going to take him off the board." And I said, "No, no, let's just roll it out because you never know." And I didn't kill the Tempestus Scion captain with an entire Castellan knight firing into him. So when people make that decision, it's it's still a dice game. You don't know. I've rolled plenty of times and it's like oh look you need anything but ones to wound here's seven ones oh well that didn't go the way i planned and look that just won you the game so to say that it's it's a one turning point i don't think it's, it's very fair to super heavy less because it's still a game yes you may not have something to to destroy the knight but the game doesn't mean that you have to destroy the knight you can win the game in other aspects of the phases that deny knights and, and, and vulnerable saves. We don't get it in close combat. So if you get in close combat, lots of knights, that's when they go down. So when people think, oh, you gotta shoot it to death, no, you don't. So when it comes to winning and winning big, losing big, really it, it's it's all a matter of the game. You think it's, it's like, it's a lack of imagination for the person that re reduces this down to that single question. It's a lack of imagination. Of, of, of how to define the question. They're not thinking outside the box. Exactly. That's what I'll go with. There we go. I, you know, and I very much respect that answer because I, I agree with you, especially for uh, 8th edition, and I'm very much assuming for 9th edition. Yeah. Um, I think that especially with the different kinds of knights that they're coming out with that in, try to interact in different ways that aren't necessarily good at doing everything. Because remember when knights used to just be like stomp and oh everything else is dead? Destroyers. Yeah, destroyer. Like that was bad. Yeah, that, uh, I'll agree with that. Uh, but th now, yeah, that's not necessarily the case at all. You can win the game, especially with the newer chapter approved uh, missions, which even the ones come that we're seeing for 9th edition look even better than those. Um, the game is not just about killing. No. And so if, if you are, I agree with you. If, if you're reducing it to a single question, you're not thinking outside the box. You're, you're, you're having a lack of imagination on it. Yeah, I'll go with that. So we agree on this one. Oh that's yeah, no, that's why this isn't, this isn't a, a I win, I lose debate. This is, this is having a discussion. This is having a, it seems interesting points of views. So we ready for the next question? I'm ready for the next question. Oh. And I'm looking forward to this one submitted by Aaron Green. Oh, calling him out. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm calling everyone out. Aaron Green's question. <laughs> Why is your fun 
more important than my fun. Oh! <laughs> that's like shots fired. Because that's just how it is, Aaron. <laughs> um, it's not, though. I mean, and, and this is a question that gets asked often. A person's idea of fun, obviously we've heard it, varies from person to person and greatly between everyone who gets enjoyment out of different aspects of the hobby, right? But as for me, my fun is out of the interactions at events. And when people see I bring knights, my goal at events, yes, you want to win, sure. But my goal is, is sportsmanship. And at most events that I've attended, and I and I know it's probably not very humble of me, <laughs> I ask, where was I standing in the sportsmanship category? And I'm usually in the top three. So, yeah, you play up against a knight player, and you do have knight players that are get, give us a bad name because they come there to win at all costs kind of attitude and they're not pleasant to play against my my goal is to make sure that everyone has a pleasant experience and interactions during the game and i've had guys that come up to the board they're they've already gotten some salt going on they look defeated they're like well i pretty much won this game anyways i'm like well, you know what i promise it's not gonna be bad let's just play and see how it goes and by the end of the game they're like really guys that that's one of the best games i've had and that's that's what I shoot for, because it's just to sway that opinion that knights and it's such a you're you, like you just want to win. No, like, I just like have those interactions, those moments in the game where all right something doesn't go in my favor and goes right in yours, or things happen in the game that no one can explain or expect, and it, that's how it, it comes out. And as long as everyone has a good time, that's what my my fun is. So if I'm having fun and you're having fun, that's really my my main goal. So, there. <laughs> there. <laughs> so no one's fun is more important than my fun. We're all equal in the fun zone. Like Aaron, Aaron, he doesn't have to have fun. He doesn't have to have fun? No. <laughs> then why does he play? He just have to have fun. I kid. I kid. <laughs> Alright, um, now I think uh, that what Aaron is talking about as kind of a counter, not necessarily directly counter that, but also kind of rephrasing what I think he's asking, kind of in here. I mean, I got it wrong. No, I don't know if there is a right or wrong. I don't know if there is a right or wrong. Like, I actually know, I'll remind me, I'll bring up what his own response to his... See? Look, that's the kind of person Aaron is. I'm going to ask this question. This is out of proportion. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Um, I think what he's talking about, though, are situations where one army is just so over the top uh, from the other side, the other side is just so understrengthed that it can be really disheartening to play. So in the case of super heavies, uh, say I show up with a list that just doesn't have high damage weapons. Like say... Dark Eldar. Say you're Dark Eldar with only... No, say... I think that's legitimate. Say Venom you're, spam. you're doing Venom Spam uh, and... Uh, not Venoms, because Venoms are so hard to kill. Yeah, not if you're a Night Player. <laughs> Obviously, you haven't had somebody just be like, and five up invul, five up invul, five up invul. No, no, that's that's I, just I people played, I play I against. Venom spam okay, with my Astraeus, uh Primaris tank, I don't have an issue with them. No, okay. Well, I, me. that might just be you. <laughs> but say that that kind of thing, like they just have no weapons for shoot, taking on knights. All okay. their stuff is wounding on sixes. Um, so is that person wrong? To turn down a game against somebody that they have no, they feel they have no chance against. Are you talking about a tournament or just in general? In general, they, if you go to the store. If you go to the store. No, they're not wrong. So that that's what I think he's asking about, you know. And oh. I agree with you. If it's a tournament, that all all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mean you go to the you got you, store. you you got to be you got to be prepared when you're going to the tournament that you might face that kind of stuff. Exactly. You're taking a skew list. You end up against another skew list. Yeah. Sorry. You know, but, but local in, store? Yeah. No, absolutely. If, if that's the thing, you, you go into a store and you're looking for a game, and you say, "All right, this is the kind of game I want to play." Yeah, you, absolutely, you can say, "You know what? I don't really feel like playing against three knights." And I use, I, me, I usually have another army in in my car that if somebody's like, "I don't want to play against knights," okay, I'll I'll bring out this army. I think that's really good. So of you. that I think I think that's really great. There's options. Um, now, I think there's a, a subset, though, to that. Let's say that there's nobody else there. It's just this one other person. Okay. In that case, I think this is kind of like how we said for the last question. You need to expand your uh, expand your horizons. Think outside the box. You have to now redefine a new way to have fun. 
because sometimes you're going to be in that situation and i wouldn't want to be the asshole that says hey you only have that and i only have this like you have to take it well i think you both have to kind of accept a little bit of responsibility for that situation coming up if you've only taken a list that has absolutely no way of doing it then you've kind of built put yourself into that corner and but the at the same time the night player is kind of in the same not the night player but the super heavy army player is kind of in the same boat i think you've done the, the right thing like you said it's not your first it may be your first army but uh you have another one in tow yeah because you're like hey I, you're taking responsibility for the fact that you, everybody wants to play against it that that and that uh that um what's the word i'm looking for you're taking responsibility for the fact that it is a skew list and you're there for a casual game that that yours there that's where i was you're somewhat responsible for your opponent having some enjoyment to the game we don't live in a vacuum um and the answer that aaron was going to give at the beginning to his own question was that same kind of idea that um at the end of the day you have to be responsible for each other's enjoyment of the game yeah um but there is no requirement that uh, somebody has to kowtow to your enjoyment. Just because I'm playing the game a certain way doesn't mean you have to play it my way. And that 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 sword cuts both ways. And I think that came about from the separate mission styles. Because we had... Currently, we have the GW missions, right? We have chapter-approved missions, and then we have ITC and ETC and, and that group. Well, if you have ITC people or people that play ITC commonly, when they go to the store and someone wants to play a game and they're not in the competitive scene to say they want to play out of the missions from chapter proof or the, or the core rulebook then there's two different personalities right there so when you do play and they our mindset is this how you know the armor we're going to use and if someone's more used to the more casual missions then it, that's why we want to talk you got to communicate talk. with people that's right. <laughs> it's not hard to say, hey, I'm looking for a game. I'm not looking for anything competitive. And, and that's it. You have to come to that agreement and say, hey, look, I want to try this. Are you up for that? And if the person's not, well, then, you know, you can ask again. You can try to help do it in, in the way that they want to. And if the person is just totally an asshat, then I would say, just say, all right. You know what? Fine. You want to play a game? We can. I'll take, instead of three nights, I'll take one night and we can play a mission like that. Just so we can roll some dice. <laughs> oh man, dude, that—that's all I want to do is roll dice. <sighs> it's not hard. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, next one up here. Why should the Imperium have the most super heavies? Asks Brandon Cook. Because it makes the most sense. <laughs> so I, I did a little bit of research on this one, uh, and it, from what I see looks like the Imperium does indeed they get actually, I, I was a little bit surprised by it, they have more super heavies than every other faction combined um, but not by much, by one uh, they have, if you take all the Imperium stuff together, yep. they have 30 Yep. and that's, I'm not counting the, I'm only counting the Bane Blade once and I, all of it's different variations because it's the same chassis Cha- same chassis, exactly now is this just from Forge World? nope, this is across uh, the Codex's and everything. Okay. Um, now, I am also counting Titans in that. Well, yeah. So, they have five Imperium Titans, there are 22 Super Heavies in Forge World, and then there are three in Codex Super Heavies, and that gives you a total of 30. Everything else together, for the other factions, is 29 total. What are the Chaos, three Eldar, uh, three would be the Bane Blade and its variants. Yeah. Uh, would be the um, regular Knight, like the, yeah. the and then the Castlin Knight. Gilman. Uh, I I don't call you him don't, a super heavy. But he's in the super heavy class. Uh, he's a lord of war. Lord I, of I war. wouldn't necessarily say he's super heavy. Oh, he's super heavy. No. <laughs> uh, so I didn't I didn't count him in okay, that. Okay, you don't count those guys. I, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, Fair maybe enough. you could. Um, I don't think that would actually help the numbers too much. You know what? <laughs> the Imperium's winning. That's what we care about. <laughs> um, and uh, so. It does feel like if you want to play the super heavy game, it, because of that, it does kind of feel like you're a little bit restricted to what team you can play as. Uh, now, part of this, I would say, is the issue that the Imperium has lots of factions under one umbrella, mm-hmm. right? That's definitely a part of it. Uh, but even in 8th, I think we can remember 
times when just about every Imperium army was carrying a knight with it. And if you were not Imperium, you probably didn't bring a Super Heavy along with you because your so options... Yeah, well, that's it. Your options were just extremely limited. So it kind of feels a little bit like the Imperium is the only ones that get to play the Super Heavy game. Uh, not That's not entirely true, of course, but I mean, it can feel that way. Um, also, Imperium Super Heavies tended to be costed way more competitively regularly showing up at tournaments across the board, while other factions have their Super Heavies totally neutered. Now, obviously Chaos, not really quite the case, but for example, Orc Stompa. It's an in-codex Titanic unit. Yes. Would you agree that is vastly inferior to a Knight Castlin? I think you would. I don't know. I, I, it is va I have it's Stompa. got fewer, fewer shots, lower accuracy, less resilience. But if you, no put, it, if you put it with a mechboy shop, he's increased. Well, on his own... On his own. On his own, the Stompa costs 166 points more yes. than a Knight Castlin. And that's with neither of them getting any upgrades. He and he is vastly inferior on it. And then if you... Okay, yeah, you can improve him, which costs more points to do. And that doesn't improve him by much. an orc. <laughs> so, the Stompa is arguably almost... Like only a little bit more effective than a double chain cannon knight will cost you almost double. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so uh, that's what I mean. Like it definitely can feel like the Imperium are the only ones yeah, that get to play the game. Yeah, but when you get to the orcs, you look at the the Morkonaut and Gorgonauts, right? They're supposed to be the knight equivalents, and they're not. That was just bad rules development from GW. I'm... They've had multiple times to fix it, and they haven't done it. <laughs> So, that, that shouldn't be the fault of Imperium players that GW doesn't care about Orc Super Heavy. You've got no answer for this, like <laughs> you got no, you no, got no. nothing so on this debate. The number, of, the number of Super Heavies. You look at Eldar. Why would Eldar have a bunch of Super Heavies? They're not a Super Heavy army, right? They're supposed to be fast, agile, right? They're, they're, that's, their, that's their shtick. So, they had their Phantom. Have you seen the Phantom Titan? I have. But it's still, it's still agile for Eldar. They wouldn't have a lot of Super Heavy things that doesn't fit with the Eldar background, right? Yes, they have super heavy tanks and flyers. That makes sense. But walker-wise, it, it, it doesn't, right? They, to me, it doesn't. Tyranids, I think Tyranids should have more, more super heavies besides the bio oh, they need it. They need an Encodex one. They, oh, sure, God. They need something besides, you know, the Herodin that doesn't even get a, a 5 plus invulnerable save. And it's 2,000 points. Yeah, you're like, why? <laughs> why am I going to take that? A bio you can take that in 2,000 points and it just... Gurgitate's gone. Okay. But still, no invulnerable saves. Um, look at Tau. Tau, newer race, just from Fluff's perspective. Newer race, still working on it. But they came out with the Storm Surge, which doesn't have the Battlesuit keyword. Doesn't make sense. And the Tauinar. And they have, what, the... They have the Manta. Yeah. The, the, three. The table size. They have super three. Heavy. So, you, you look at most races, and you can figure out why they don't have them but no like, yeah there should be more super heavy player there should be more super heavies for other races <laughs> because if there was guess what i would be playing other races instead of just imperium so in other words i mean even chaos you, you, demons, you almost entirely agree with me no i agree this is even chaos demons what's, what's their super heavy or lords of war four named characters that's it yes i mean i've ordered angroth he's coming in because i'm going to run him with five other bloodthirsters but that's not the point. Can you even say the name of the Zinchuan? Can anybody say the name of the Zinchuan? No, I don't like sorcerers. So oh, okay. I don't. I don't try to even pronounce it. it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but so, and then you get into okay. So why does the Imperium have the most? Because it, and I know it's going to sound weird, but it's it's the Imperium. They have the most planets. They have the largest empire. They have the most resources. And that's just the human mentality of we got to build big things to just crush other things very American in a way, but that's a different topic. So yes, I, I would agree with you on that one. Okay. Uh, here, you get, you get this one, which you didn't know about. Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was one response that we got, and then Austin... I didn't get the notification. <laughs> so he's totally unprepared. Thanks, Facebook. Thanks, Aaron Feth. Yes, Aaron Feth would like to ask, should super heavy units be restricted to game size? I say yes. Oh, what? Oh okay. no, you're just saying that because you, you think... No. Really? Really. I think super heavies 
should be used if a, you shouldn't take them into a patrol game. No. Anything under 1,500 points shouldn't have a Lord of War in it because it really, it's, it's not fair. I actually think that most games, even without Lords of War, should be 3,000 points for this reason. Because at 2,000 points, it's, it's too condensed. You get too much of this cream of the crop units, and then if you go to 3,000 points, you'll be able to use a Lord of War Super Heavies and not overwhelm somebody else because you can have other units and increase the efficiency of an army, if that makes sense. Okay. I, right? I, yeah, I like hear what Gilliman. you're saying. Gilliman, yeah. I don't think, should be in a 2,000-point list. Gilman would fit perfectly fine in 3,000 points because I don't see Gilman just hanging out with a bunch of, you know, gribblies on a patrol saying, hey, guys, hey everybody, shoot better. Gilman with two, with two scout squads and 500 points. Yes, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> but no, yeah, yes, they should be limited to the, the points, games, or game points that you're playing because when you get to lower point levels, it's, it, it's not fair. Do, do you think other super heavy players would agree with you on this? Or do you think you're in the minority I can't of that? Speak for the super, but do you think you're in the minority on it? Or do you think you're you're in the majority on it? I think I'm the minority. I, I would agree. I would I was shocked when you just said but that. But I'm a decent human being. That's well, okay. There we go. <laughs> just call it you heard it here first, folks. Super heavy player believes they are not decent human beings on average. <laughs> Horrible individuals full of salt. Yes. Well yeah, no, like I, I don't like if someone's like, Oh, let's let's play fifteen hundred points. I don't like trying to make a knight list to fit into 1500 points because I know in 1500 points lots of armies don't have the ability to take on an army like that. So yeah. it's, it's not fun. You go to a tournament, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. But and for a casual game, like as you saw today, I didn't bring any super heavies. Mm -hmm. I felt exposed. I did not like it. <laughs> but it was a newer player. I feel like he had a good time. It looked like he was having a good time. Yeah. So yeah, that's my answer. There we go. Your rebuttal. Uh, I, I've got none because that was pretty much my answer. There you go. Except that I was saying that you shouldn't bring them uh, to a game under a thousand points. Well, I, I think that I touched on that with the Gilman 500. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but otherwise, yes, I think I think if you do bring uh, a knight to like, oh, we're doing combat patrol, folks. Like we're doing an escalation league, yep. and my my first unit that I'm bringing is a knight. You're a horrible human. You, oh yeah, you are asking for a bad time. You're asking for one person to have a bad time at least. Possibly yes. both of you. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's not good. No, no. All right, so All right there we go. All right, so last question then. For you. Last yeah, question. I got some. Oh, you got some bonus I got some one? Other one? Oh, damn it. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long episode now. <laughs> All right, uh, topic number seven. Should codexes like knights? be able to so violently shake up the meta. This comes from Edward Bush. Ed Bush. Um, and it's because Ed's a Necron player yeah. uh, and he feels that in 8th that he can't run his Silver Tide Necron Warriors uh, because of Knights. And, like Their guns for the Silver Tide, their guns are just strength 4, the 1 damage, uh, you know, just roll, kind of like that situation we were talking about with uh, the Drukhari, right? Where we were saying, hey, you got a bunch of poison guns. Well, the Silver Tide is a very classic Necron force, mm -hmm. right? That's not something that was out of the ordinary for a long, long time. Nope. And they're really cool in their different vehicles and stuff like that. But uh, when they come up against Knights, he feels that there's just not enough damage that he can deal to ever answer the toughness of the Knights. And I would say that there are other examples in game of people feeling like their list becoming invalidated when another faction comes out that with something that just massively upends their strength, and it's nearly impossible for them to take that kind of force any longer. So, uh, for example, for myself, just to kind of put this in perspective, uh, Marines, with in 8th edition, towards the end of 8th edition, I feel, I, I feel like they really, the design of, of the new Codex really killed uh, the Gene Stealer Cult style list of Deep Strike and Charging with Acolytes and Aberrants and stuff like that, because they got uh, a bunch of new things that really helped out, like, you know, Stratum for a combined Overwatch like Tau, uh, got lots of guns with tons of shots. They hit back hard in close combat if you don't take them out. And they even had units that prevented deep strike within 12 inches. So all those things kind of together, that strategy uh, caused... The main strategy employed there uh, caused the Gene Zero Cult lists to just evaporate away. Because it just... Yeah, it, it, it came Well, it came... It became so hard to execute that main strategy. Now, 
Personally, I believe that if you're chase if you're chasing the dragon, you know what you've heard of that. Uh, yeah, numerous times on your podcast. Yes, when you're chasing the dragon on the tournament scene, uh, I think you got to roll with those kinds of punches. You know, it, it's not the first time a list has been invalidated by Games Workshop releasing stuff, and it won't be the last time. Uh, you know, such kinds of things do happen. At least in the case of the Silver Tide or Gene Stealer Cult and like all the Rock Saws. Honestly, it's just a single version of the list. There are other ways that you can play, and sure, it sucks. And I would say that's kind of more of an issue with the Codex itself, that there's only one or two ways to play it competitively. Um, but at the same time, you know, you you can't be upset at a single Codex for disrupting the, the status quo. So, like, imagine if shield drones were nerfed into the ground right now. That really leaves Tau with just kind of a single build, and everyone that bought previously loads and loads of shield drones before they, you know, went back, not even because they wanted to play competitively, just thought it was really cool, uh, they would end up feeling the same way as Ed does. And for somebody that's just playing for fun with casual games, they can request that they don't play games against Super Heavies, but, you know, in, really, it just, it just really sucks that those armies become the most common army play, because then you have a really difficult time kind of busting through. So overall, I, yeah, I would say it's not... Yeah, it kind of sucks that you get invalidated. When you're playing competitively, you got to roll with it. Um, but in other cases, you got to realize that, hey, you, it, you, it's always on yourself if you're taking a skew list. Oh, let's see if I respond. Um, well, first off, Ed, uh, <laughs> I don't find that Codex Knights really violently shook up the meta. When they first came out, Kate, they're... Or a new army, their toughness eight. I'll give you that. But in eighth edition, it wasn't so much. It was Codex Knights. It was Codex House Raven mixed in with a brigade of guardsmen and smash captains. That is what really propelled knights into this onto this pedestal of oh they're so broken. It was one household with a, one stratagem that was CP farming. Stratagems were addressed. The CP farming, farming was, was addressed. addressed yeah. Like all these issues were addressed, and then you pretty much saw knights die off because that one build of that one knight and this one stratagem really didn't work as well. So I don't think it really shook up the metal meta that bad from a competitive side. I mean, if you're playing more of the casual things, okay, I can see how it would be hard. But this is another topic that could probably be another topic on a podcast. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But it's. <laughs> When knights came out, same thing with marines, right? My, I know this is a little different than super heavy. Sure. A little tangent. I love tangents. But my thing was... Actually, you know what? During this tangent, I'm going to start driving. Okay. Yeah. My thing was, when marines came out, especially iron hands, and everyone got so upset about how powerful iron hands was, or were. Were? Were. Proper grammar. Good job. (laughs) But you had... The, the number one ITC players for other factions jump ship and get onto the Space Marine bandwagon. And I'll say it, yes, they did. In my opinion, those top players should have stuck with their primary factions and proved to the rest of the community that plays the same army that Marines are beatable. Richard Siegler, Siegler did that in Atlanta with his towel, and then he switched to Iron Hands. Why? Towel players, like, here's the one build. Why is it the one build? Well, because they win this many tournaments with this one build, and then nobody looks at another build. Crude are irrelevant to Tau players. Crude, I'm sure, could be found out or have a way of winning for Tau, but nobody's found it yet because we're so fixated on this is the only build that we can play with. Same thing with the Knights. Same thing with any faction that comes out with a new Codex. Guarantee you it's going to be the same way with the new Necron Codex when it comes out, that they're going to have these certain units that, oh, this is the only way to win. Orcs are a perfect example. The only way to win with Orcs a while ago was with Speed Freaks, right? Speed Freaks, Speed Freaks, Speed Freaks. Now you see people running mech guns, you run them with Gretchen, you run them Death Skulls, or all these other options, and they still win. So I think us as players, we should, again, look outside the box and not have this tunnel vision of this is the only way to play a faction. Silver Tide for Necrons. Granted, it was it's a classic army to run, but you can still win games with that army against knights by playing the mission. 
you don't have to kill the knights. Plus, like you said, for for the case with knights uh, and the Silver Tide specifically, you know, maybe if Ed played now against, if somebody actually brought a full knight list now against him, that might things might be different. And, and how how often do uh, do super heavy show up at, at a local game store? Just from my experience, in eighth edition, in eighth edition, almost never. Exactly. Seventh edition, totally different story. Seventh edition is different, but super heavy players in Sudbury, Irvin Armitage, me. No, you two combine. That's they, it. You two make up like half of meta in Sudbury. Exactly. <laughs> but like, you don't, you don't see like full super heavy armies at, at the local gaming store like every weekend. Just prowling um, for baby seals. But that's I, not what we do. But I would say, but you know, continuing on that tangent that you're saying, I, I don't think it's the responsibility of top players to prove that a list is still competitive. They're top players because they're there to win, and I, I think they are totally in their rights to say, okay, I'm, I'm jumping this other one because it has the best chance of me and, winning. And that's why I that's kind of like saying, hey, this magic player, that's a top magic player, he can, he's only allowed to play red deck wins because that's how he won before, and that's how he should always play. No, he might enjoy playing also control decks and stuff like that. He, they can like changing things up. They can like it. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying like this might be another topic. But again, it, it'd be a great topic. It's, it's yes, they can change. But I feel like because they are the top of their faction for the competitive scene, that there is a bit of a moral obligation. It might be a little bit strong, but for them to say, hey. Space Marines aren't that scary. Here's how here's how we can beat them, right? Here's what we can. Here's some nifty tricks or tips or things like that that help us against Marines. But I didn't see that. And as someone that goes to tournaments and follows it and all that, it, it was kind of disheartening to see like every single one of them, the exception of a few, just bail on their factions that they've been playing the entire season just to be on Space Marines. Scary didn't. No, Scary did not. Because Scarry is a—he's a, he's a amongst the hobby. He's, he's a, to be commended. For a it. gentleman and a scholar. Exactly. <laughs> Even though he's the dark kid. <laughs> yeah, the dark kid has the most on. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So uh, these next ones are ones you came up with. I have no well, idea no, about. They were asked to me. Well, why didn't you share them with me? Because they were just recent. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, so you guys are going to be able to hear you know, me kind of just really wing answers on the fly, and I'm probably going to contradict myself a whole ton. So this is going to be fun. I like it. it. So it's going to be okay. It's going to be great. Um, so I got a question from JC Damore. Okay. I'm sorry, JC, if I pronounced your last name wrong. Um, but the question was, what do you think the status of night lists are going to be? It seems like a lean towards smaller armorers back to less costly units. How do the big boys going to deal with terrain rules changes? Oh, so ninth. So I was actually going to bring up ninth edition and knights overall for knights. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and how they deal with knights overall for things. Uh, that was going. I think. What, do you have any other uh, direct ones before we get into the ninth yeah, edition? Yeah, I got. Ones? I got um, one from Thomas. JC, I promise we'll, we'll get there in a moment. So Thomas asks, what benefits do Super Heavies bring? For the humble guard player, you get a lot of choice on Titanic units. What what humble guard players are They're there? They're all humble. <laughs> you gotta have you gotta be humble to just wear flak armor in the future. Um, why should we bring one? And why should why say a Baneblade over a knight? You look at my look at my answer. No no no, I want I want to read the question again here. So why why would they why should they should someone bring a Baneblade Shadow Sword something over a knight in their list? Well, because it's awesome. It's awesome. It's it's fluffy. We'll go with that. But for to me, a lot of the times, the super heavy is uh, distraction effects in a way. The distraction it's card a effects. Big scary unit that people will focus their attention on while the rest of your army can do what you want it to kind of do. I mean, shadow swords are a little bit of an exemption because they kill knights. But say for guard, guard instead of taking a knight, you take a bane blade or another super heavy. You still get the benefits of a of the CP if you take the Supreme Command detachment. Mm -hmm. You don't have to waste a detachment on an auxiliary. Mm -hmm. They get the benefits of the regimental doctrines, mm -hmm. and it, it there's good synergy with the army, right? You're not just farming CP for another faction to use. So that's why I would see them taking a Bane Blade variant or a Gorgon or anything like that over a knight, just because it, it works better for guard, especially if it's a Catachin Bane Blade or anything like that. Um, 
and really even with space marines space marines have lots of super heavy options that they can take over a knight that could be arguably better than a knight i know with my marine list i take the astraeus because i can drop a, pretty much a knight and a half in a turn with with just that so giving up the cp and eighth edition was, was a big reason that you would take lords of war or super heavies from your own faction and start trying to soup it that's when you stop seeing the House Raven Knights, usually with the Loyal 32s or the Brigades, and mixing things together because it wasn't beneficial enough for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Where you can spend, you can use that additional detachment on something else that helps your army out more. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. I'd say the main thing, Thomas, is like always to identify the opportunity cost that you're going to be having for uh, taking one item over the other. So, if you are going to go ahead with like, what are you really hoping to get out of the knight? What are you hoping to get out of having a unit that can is a walker, um, that has, you know, uh, the thermal cannon and the sword? Really, the main reason you're going to take a knight over, like, the Imperial Guard super heavies is because it has close combat abilities that the Imperial Guard generally don't have. Uh, so if you're taking the if you're taking the Astro Militarum super heavies, that's the main thing you're giving up. You're giving up that close combat ability. But I, I'd agree with with uh, with Austin that generally you're going to have just such better synergies with the Astro Militarum vehicle, the super heavy, that it's going to more than make up for that. Plus, uh, you're also don't discount the guard for a close combat. Catachins have the biggest guns in the galaxy. <laughs> And the biggest muscles. <laughs> they got the, that's what they are. They're the biggest guns in the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's also other units that you have. You have a lot of units that actually have surprisingly good and vulnerable saves that are able to really hold things up and tie it down while everything else backs away. You're able to screen properly. Uh, if you want to play a close combat game, absolutely bring the knight because the knight is fun for close combat. It can get in there and it'll stomp things, and that's great. But if close combat's not really what you're going for, and if you're playing guard chances are you're not yeah. <laughs> uh, then continued I, I would say you're going to be serviced better by focusing on your strengths rather than on your weaknesses um, and I w- so I would definitely agree I would say yeah take that I, I don't know the different kinds I don't know which ones are good take the Bane Blade not, but not the Bane Blade the one that's really a ridiculously obnoxiously good whichever one that is I don't know they all serve their own purpose they all serve their own purpose yes, I'll take do. your word on that vengeance for Cadia that's the reason that's actually you know what that's the reason that you take the Imperial Guard one because of vengeance and for Cadia other strats on it too you can but who needs another stratum when you do vengeance for Cadia it's the most broken stratum as I've stated multiple times player, if you're up against chaos it is the most broken stratum of all time and fun fact you do not have to be a Cadian regiment to use it no no some people say, no, you have to be Cadian. No. No. Any regiment can use it because I'm sure other regiments I, were on Cadian. Uh, you know, my Gene Stereo cult get to use it. Absolutely, because well, they were on Cadian. <laughs> they got off. It's, it's ridiculous. They, it is the most broken stratagem. <laughs> okay, so last thing then, JC, coming back to yours, and also to, to Scaris, because he also asked. Um, they wanted to know how knights were going to be faring in 9th edition. Uh, now, specifically for Scari, he wanted to kind of discuss the outflanking possibilities of them and how they interact with the train. Um, well, and... the outflanking thing, because now we got the points, right? Yeah. For every 10 power level, it's a CP. So on average, the knight's going to be, what, 3 CP to outflank? 3 CP. Although two of them together, I guess, would be 5. Still, that's 5 CP. Wait a second. How, many, how, many, how much power is a knight? You know this, or you should know it. Now you don't know I it. I don't, because we don't <laughs> use power levels because we're in North America. Because <laughs> yeah, if they're 25, then yeah, it would, it would be 5 CP to outflank two of them. If they're out. 28, it would be 3. Uh, but I think it, it's it's going to be very effective to do that, right? Because you're going to be able to come into places that maybe... No? You don't think so? Because I know that's the talk for a lot of people with close combat units or units with short-range guns, they're really looking forward to not having to survive the trudge up the board in order to get into units of that, that, are, uh, that are good spots to be. Oh, God, they changed the points. So, uh, yes, uh, Castellan is 30 power level. Yeah. So you're looking at 3 CP. Yeah. Um, I don't see why you would ever need to outflank a, a Castellan. No, you would outflank a Valiant. Yeah. But that's 32. And then each knight is different. 
So your gallant close combat knight is twenty. Your Aaron is twenty-two. Okay, so yeah, so two, so and two knights together. Yeah. Two command, knights are, are going to be five command points to bring in. Five command points. Now, if you're running a pure knight list, you're going to be spending the CP before the game, usually to make extra characters, take the extra warlord traits, take the extra relics, and you're going to spend another five CP. You're going to be starting the game with close to three CP before it even starts. So you're thinking no on outflanking. I'm sure people will make it work. Um, as for me, I wouldn't know if it would be for full-size knights. I can see armorers doing it, Helverins maybe, Moraxes, because they're only power level 9. So you're just spending the 1 CP to do it, and yeah. Well, and no, armorers and Moraxes are still fast too. But then you, sorry, you, then you would add more to the unit, so they'd probably be, probably about, yeah, the same amount, 2 CPs. I think that uh, knights so, are going to be in. Uh, I think uh, knights are actually going to have um, a hard time in ninth edition going just pure knights because I think screening units are going to be important. Okay. Um, and I th I think it's it's going to be part part of the issue is going to be the fact that people can see knights with their guns while at a lot of times knights aren't going to be able to see them back. They, it's one of the few times in the game, whenever there's been a time in the game where one side could see the other and shoot at them and the other side couldn't, that such as with jump, shoot, jump, and all that kind of obnoxious stuff. Tau. It, yeah, exactly. See, Tau pro problem here, folks. Tau. <laughs> uh, it's led to times of of hard times for other armies, and knights are going to have that be on the hard time of that because they won't be able to see the people that they need to shoot at, whereas they can be shot at. Um, that's why I think because they're increasing the points across the board according to GW and knights are going to be affected as well so I don't see my three amigos which are my two Castellans and the Valiant list being viable anymore because they won't be able to fit into 2k I've actually been looking at other lists with just Armagers, Helverins, and Moraxes because they're under the 18 wounds so they can hide behind buildings, they can't be targeted, they're fast, you can have better board control, um, you can outflank them for cheaper if you just do units of two, and in a 2,000 point list, you can currently you can get, I think, what, 10 with a Perceptor. So I think Helverins, like the Armager class knights, are going to be more prominent now once people start to see that, okay, we can hide them. People can't target them as easily as knights, right? We can move around the buildings. It's going to be a different aspect for uh, a knight player because it's going to be more models than we're used to. And it allows us to be more interactive in other phases of the game besides the psychic phase because you are going to be more involved in the movement phase. You're going to be more involved in the combat phase because you're going to have war glaives on the, on the table. Helverins, who can now move and fire without penalty because the autocannons don't care. It, it, I, I see more of a lean towards the smaller knights than the three crusaders that we're used to for that reason of them not being able to hide anything, right? Yeah, oh, you're over these... Same thing with Morty, right? Morty, Magnus, yeah. they're all 18 moons. So they're not going to be able to hide. No. Gilman will, but that's... Not but they'll outflank. They'll outflank. So it's, it's going to be I, interesting I, I, to I see. Can see. I can see people outflanking... A knight. Oh, a knight. If if a knight is an ally, like just in addition to an army, say Admech. It's either going to be a distraction card effects of trying to stay on the board at the start and be like, hey, I'm going to tank all this stuff, or it's going to be this big threat of when does this come in and start and just messing up everything. Yeah, it's going to be a, a mental game of are they going to bring it in on their boardage because I just deep struck something? Are they just going to bring it up this side or from mine? And then how do you handle that? So I think if you are going to be deep striking or outflanking a knight, people are going to have to spend units to hold back to try to counter it in some way or to tie it up, which even now, like, you can shoot into combat. Assuming its points go up. Oh. That's fair enough. Everyone, well, everyone says that things are going to be going up across the board. So I'd say, what, 15%? That's what I've heard. 
We'll see. We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, GW could say, across the board, things are going up. But not across the board. But not across the board. Because the board is so much smaller now, <laughs> GW. Not all of us are on that board. And you know what, though? I, that smaller board is actually going to make the knight's movement even more powerful. Especially the armors. Exactly. Uh, because for smally, from units with smaller movements, I don't think that smaller board size really is going to matter too much. But for units with high movement... Uh, 14 inches? Yeah. 14 inches now is almost half the board... In almost any direction. Yep. So, uh...